Hi there, and welcome to another episode of African Business Stories. Africa is the only region in the world where more women than men choose to be entrepreneurs. What this says to me is that the story of business in Africa is the story of the African businesswoman. So we're on a journey of discovery to find these women and tell their stories. On the show, we will hear from female innovators and entrepreneurs building and running businesses in Africa. They will share the highs and lows of their entrepreneurial journey and lessons learned along the way. Some of these women you may know and many you may not, but I assure you that all their stories are inspiring in their own right. My hope is that these stories will inspire you to reach for your dreams and leave a legacy for generations to come. It makes such a big difference to us if you can rate, review, and share our episodes. You can do this mainly on Apple Podcasts, and you can find us on all podcast platforms. If you're in Africa, Spotify is now available, so check us out there. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. On the show today, I chat with Dr. Martha Namunjebo Tillahoon, co-founder and chairperson of the United Africa Group, a privately owned multi-billion dollar business conglomerate in Namibia. We talk about the enduring impact her late father has had on her, both in life and business. She shared his four guiding principles, which she continues to live by today, and also her own business lessons, having built and sustained multiple successful businesses over the past 29 years. Dr. Martha talks a lot about opportunities, building doors for opportunity to knock on, and creating opportunities for young people in Africa. She's a passionate African that believes in Africa. Let's get into it. Hi, Ms. Tillahoon. Welcome to African Business Stories. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I just wanted to start quickly to just talk a little bit about Namibia, because in researching you, I, I read a little about, about Namibia's history and uh, didn't realize that um, you were colonized by Germany yes. at some point, And then you were also under the apartheid laws yes at some other point yeah what, what was it like growing up in Namibia at that time um it was tough and um uh, I, I was born in uh in a village called Odibo and that village is the, the northern part of Namibia where many things took in place so okay. I am the of course as a family I was the firstborn of my parents uh the late father uh, my late uh Father Eliakim, uh, and also my late mother, also now um, Telesia Namjebo. When I said the northern part, that's where the apartheid really took place. Hmm. And uh, the, the, the greatest part of my childhood, actually, was I spent at the village where my parents came from, northern Namibia, like I said earlier. While they um, while a part of my childhood was spent in Vinduk, I came to Vinduk in the capital city of, of Namibia. Um, of course, it's not that it was easy. I was my parents was given me to the family. That's why I end up in Vinduk. And during my childhood, um, childhood, yes, my father constantly told us about importance of education and the good work ethics. And he often told us that uh, 
it was only through education um, that they could achieve or we could achieve whatever we wanted in life or to be independent. So despite the challenge I'm of apartheid as a children, we had to prioritize the, um, our education. That's the only way one could survive. And during that apartheid regime, my mother would accommodate um, the uh, Swapo freedom fighters. Those are the liberation movement and uh, give them food and shelters. She also opened her home. Our home was just for many people. She was selfless and all the time. And during that uh, liberation struggle, my father would at many times get arrested mm. or liberally get a summons for investigation purpose. So my father would also travel uh, so many times, to, I mean, many parts of Namibia, northern Namibia, under the cover of, uh, of business to recruit fighters, freedom fighters, to discuss politics, and uh, with various communities, which meant my uh, mother was obliged to take his place when he's not there um, as a head of the family. Um, she, she has a very high respect on the, on the, on the, as an African woman, as, a, as, as, as her husband. And together they did a great businesses and supported Swapo, which is a freedom fighter, um, in a very meaningful ways, um, uh, which I'm doing right now. So Mike was a business, he was a very hardworking and he was a business icon in Namibia from the early 1950s, if I remember and who continuously uh, urge us to adapt his four core values, to plan with purpose, to always be prepared for any eventualities, to always proceed with uh, optimism, and to be tenacious. So those four attributes were instilled in me, and uh, right from my young ages. And they have been my mantra in business and in life. And then, like I said earlier, um, what I mentioned earlier, that uh, it was very important to our parents that we, we were educated. Education was the uh, priority at my parents. And um, as the firstborn, it was very imperative to study, as I would be the example to my siblings. Hmm. Um, I completed my high school uh, in Namibia, got the opportunity to, to go to study English. I must say that uh, that time, even when I went uh, abroad, I remember I was, um, they were in a bus and the colleague asked me if I, what I would like to, for them to get me from outside the bus because I didn't want to get out. So, they say, would you like hot dog? I said, no, sorry, I don't eat hot dog. <laughs> and then when she came, she came with hot dog. I said, no, I want that one. She said, you, you say you don't eat hot dog. I said, that's that hot dog. Yes. I said, oh, then I do eat hot dog. I thought it's hot, <laughs> hot dogs. <laughs> but it was not a hot dog. Well, I, um, that, opportunity, that opportunity was presented 
by the Anglican Church during the apartheid. The, the church could really play a very important role on that one. And um, I must say that studying abroad was a very challenging, especially being a foreigner in another country with uh, limited resources. The resources was not uh, much. Nevertheless, um, I worked hard and I managed to get uh, accepted in St. Paul's College in Lawrenceville, Virginia. And that is where I did my undergraduate in business administration, followed by master's in science. And uh, soon after that, I also pursue another master's, but this the time in business administrations for uh, the University of uh, in Seattle. And that time, I was trying to run away from uh, um, making a, uh, do the doctorate. So when I <laughs> in twenty fifteen, it caught me back. At twenty fifteen, I was conferred. Uh, upon with the honorary doctorate in business administration from the um, um, University of Namibia. I was very humbled and uh, appreciative that uh, the University of Namibia considered me worthy of such mm. an honorary doctorate. And I said, well, uh, let me challenge myself and then challenge the university to go back and, you know, despite those I received the honor doctorate from the University of Namibia. I wanted to make sure that I had the education to back up this title of Dr. Martha Namjibotilahun. And that is why I enrolled to do my PhD, which I'm still in the process of completing. Hopefully, no later than next year, I should be finished my everything. Thank you so much for that, for explaining to us about your your father's legacy and about his vision and his commitment to education. Because I, I mean, I looked at your background and I couldn't understand why you you spent so much time going to school and getting so many degrees. But but now that I understand your your father a little better, I understand that it's amazing that you can continue to do that while building so many businesses. So just moving a little now to your career. So after you finished your degree, so where did you start your career? When it's coming to my career, um, my father was my great mentor. He really encouraged me from an early age to size my available opportunity to learn. Despite being a young and female among brothers, and my father would also call me upon to perform some um, various duties and at his businesses, at the farm, cattle farm. Um, sometimes you find me coming from America and then my father's waiting for us to go to the cattle farm. And then he said, the blessing you can only get from the, in the cultural way, you can get from the, when the, the cattle is breathing like that, that is a blessing which you never get from anywhere else. And uh, when I reached the, um, the age of 18, I remember my father taught me how to drive and operate all types of uh, vehicles, including his big truck and forklift. I was also able to, to drive a 30 tons truck, Mercedes Benz, transport goods from um, Hangwena to Oshikangu, another little village to another little village. 
And this transfer, um, that's what's really fascinated my brothers and other men, both young and old. And I remember my, ga- my father gave me the first lessons of, of, in accounting. We talk about stock taking, uh, the understanding of balance sheet and uh, auditing and how auctions worked, especially those auctions was more for kettles. Amongst many other skills, all the skills were learned when I was assisted my father um, at his shops and kettle farm from um, a young age. It was during my these times that I learned how to save money from the little I got from my parents. And it was also um, during the this time that I picked up invariable knowledge and um, and experience that steered me in a directive or direction of my future study. It really helped me what area I should take. Because in apartheid, we will only be told that um, um, we are not good in number. That's what we've been told. I was Even when I went to college, it was not easy because I've been told that uh, to choose the, the, the major, I say, well, English is not uh, my cup of tea. So what am I going to do? And I've been told in the apartheid system that uh, um, mathematics for the black people is not, is not, uh, it's not for us. For us, it's for something else, either becoming a teacher or becoming anything. That, uh, it's really directing me, like I say, it really directed me to, uh, for my future studies and business life to become what I am today. So when I went to university, I choose the accounting. And I, it took me time to know what am I here for, I was there for. But accounting, I found out that uh, accounting was my, my call. And I think after having studied, I had to, the opportunity also to intern at IBM okay. in, in California, which I was one of the most popular, that was most of the popular company during that time at, uh, at college. After having conducted my internship uh, uh, there for a while, I decided that I wanted to run my own business and resign from that prestigious um, job, which my my boss thought um, something is not right. I asked, is there any any way one can probably resign from here? I said, are you thinking of resigning? I said, no, I'm not thinking of resigning. Why are you asking? I'm just asking. I just want to know. He said, no, it's a privilege to work for IBM. I said, really? So next day, I resigned and I went. So I started, I started my, um, I went to library. That was in San Jose Library. And um, I went to find out what kind of business I could do with less money. So I found out that um, I started the, the business out of the Africa and San Jose, San Francisco area. It's a long story where I was selling all the African art. I used to call it Varala Freak. I transformed that Varala Freak to, to Varala Interior Staging and Design Center. Um, what I started as a curio shop, grew up to the become a successful business and attraction resulted in, in me being recognized and awarded by the organization Women in Business 
in San Jose, California for my outstanding work and achievement in 2003. So I dedicate that job to my employee, that award to my employees. Voila, uh, interiors, staging and the designer center flourished for many years. But however, I, um, I had to come back. I had to close it doors in 2014 because of the difficult of managing it from, uh, from far distance. But uh, I had a way, even I had all San Francisco um, 49 taking furniture from my shop because that was furniture made in a, in a kudu horn, um, leather, ostrich leather, kind of leather we can only find it in this kind of uh, world. And um, yeah, and then, yeah, 2014, because of that kind of things, I, I yeah. Because of, because I had to come back to, to, to Namibia. Then, um, in 1992, I came back to Namibia. Then I get married and then me and my husband, we found a company called United Africa because my husband was from another country. We met in, in the state. Um, in that we call it United Africa in Namibia. Our company today is consists of over 42 subsidiaries. Well, wow. Yes, Wells is in um, the hospitality portfolio is the uh, pinnacle of our businesses. So we are also operate in a financial service, property uh, development, um, real estate management, of course, ed um, um, education, renewable energy, and gaming. So we had a staff complement of over eight, nine hundred employees, which more are sixty, seventy percent are women. Where work is in various parts of Namibia. So I trust women, they can do things, can make things happen. We um, currently have uh, over nine uh, hotels around Namibia majority of, of them, under the branding Protea Hotel. Now it is by Marriott. Protea now is by Marriott. And Hilton Hotel, Vinduk. So now COVID-19 has also negatively impacted our hotels. But due to the diversity of our portfolio, we were able to learn on the other business entities. This is why I would recommend that those interested in business divest their business to assist the business during this trying time. So um, we had also supposed to open Hilton Garden, which is 200 rooms, but um, because of the corona, we did not uh, open those. We will open next year, not this year, but this year we at least two, two floor we give to accommodation for the university. I think it's amazing the businesses that you've grown over the years. It's been like, what, 29 years of business growth and sustained business growth. So what would you say are some of the things that helped you in growing your business over this past 29 years? What are some lessons you can share with us about growing, growing your business in, in Namibia? Dedication and passion, those two words. 
It's really helped a lot. You don't give up. The door of opportunities rotten push. So when you are outside, you push. When you're inside, yeah, you pull. So hmm. yeah, you have to build a door for the opportunity to knock. How do you build that door of opportunity? Um, that uh, I say you can only build it that opportunity with dedication and uh, courage and passionate. In identifying opportunities, because I see that with the hotel business, you, you've done a lot of good partnerships. Yeah. So, so how do you go about identifying good partners in business? Partner, there's uh, two ways, two things that uh, there is partnership and friendship. You have to have friendship and a partnership. Friendship is, is, it should come first because that's where you need people. That's where you need somebody. Because if it's not there, then you don't have anybody. You just you are just in a partner with nobody. You have to have friendship and a partnership. In terms of the the business climate in in Namibia, um, what's the what's the business environment like? Namibia is part of Africa, and then today I don't see um, the different from different African country. That's why I I really believe on women. And um, yesterday I was watching uh, all our leaders in France line up looking for fund. When I looking for the fund to come and pay another loans, in business you don't borrow money to come and pay debts. So it's a serious problem. And I look at them, I say, okay, now when they co- go and collect that, create another loans to come and pay loans, it's like you're digging two holes together and you're using this sand to fill up the other one. And where are you going to get this sand to fill up this one? And who's going to pay for these loans our leaders are really creating today from wherever they are? The other day, not long ago, they were in China. Yesterday, they're in, in, in Paris. Why they have to go to Paris to talk about borrowing money from the financial institution? I'm, I was really, really uh, worried. Why can't they... You take one of African country and talk about Africa and Africa by African for Africa. That was my little problems. So when you talk about conducive and this conducive environment, of course, should be created by our leaders. It doesn't matter whether it's in Namibia or anywhere else. It's very, very important. It's conducive environment is not there. There will be no way for any business to flourish. What has been your experience with raising money for the business? Um, business is, is you have to take risk and um, risky is including failures and I learned one thing from failures you can go to the four years universities but you never learn as much as from failure I've been I learned something from my father again saying that um, don't take anything as a surprise take it as a challenge and you deal with that from there right there so for me anything I take it as a challenge and I deal with it so in business, you have to be passionate. And um, it's not a crime to start big or to think big. And another thing which is, um, brought me where I am today is that uh, if somebody else did it, why not me? And then where I am today, I can encourage anybody. If I could be where I am today, I guarantee you, anybody, even yourself, will do much better than I did because there's so many things on things today. 
Today you are speaking from somewhere in, in Washington. I'm in Namibia. So those things were not there before. So what I'm saying is, if I did it, believe me, anybody else can do much better, much better than or be where I am. I'm more better than where I am today as a business person. I look at that, uh, the sky is the limit. But you have to be bold to take a risk and to take, um, yeah, take a risk. Um, some people have challenges raising money because they're women or because they're married. In some countries in Africa, it's not an issue. So so what is access to capital like in Namibia? It's, it's, it's everywhere, especially being, I don't look at my, the gender issues, the hindrance to my success. Okay. No, I take it very serious that, um, of course, the, the, what is important today, and then that is the problem, is that when I say build a uh, door, if you don't build a door, the opportunity will never knock, no way to knock. So the business to find money, you have to come up with a business plan, very um, viable, very um, convincing. And money is everywhere. It's just a matter of, uh, because what is important for us is just accessibility and affordability. So access to the finance, especially being a woman, being black, is even like a, it's a case to them, look like. But believe me, it's, you have to feel proud to be black. You have to feel proud to be women because I believe women have a brain. And because it's only today if you ask the women what you have, they say, I have my husband. What husband you have? You have a brain. You don't have a husband. You have a brain. And that make use of that brain. You can live without a husband, but you can live with your brain and make things happen. Earlier on, you talked about um, having a diversified portfolio as one of the things that helped um, with overcoming the challenge of, of the COVID crisis. So at, at what point in, in starting the business did you decide you were going to diver- have a diversified portfolio? And how did you decide which other sectors to go into? In, in business, I, what I'm doing today is not what I learned from school. At the foundation is there. It's just you have to be innovative, innovation, innovative all the time. One step ahead every day. One step ahead every day. Now that's what I'm saying. What I learned from Corona right now is another different way. I even changed the way of uh, the restaurant because they're talking about distancing and then our business is depending on... Uh, Hospital is depending on the movement of the people. If you're telling the, the borders close, distancing yourself and all kind of things, and given the numbers that how many people should be in, in one place, you have to think another directive, direction. Okay, so you, you also have a foundation. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about the foundation? The foundation, it, it came when I was honored at the, with the uh, doctorate from the university. I've been doing those kind of uh, philanthropist work, but uh, I never get a receipt from the street to show to anybody. And I could also not come up with the name because today you have to be who's who, you know, those kind of people. But in my life, I thought I'd never be honorable or whatever, those kind of things. So that the day I was honored with that doctorate, I dedicate that honor to the African girl child, and I name it Dr. Martha Namjebo Tilaun Foundation, dedicated 
for the African girl child. And then how I come with only the girl child is a long story. Um, I believe that uh, girls, is we invest in girls, is very important. So what kind of things does the foundation do today? I established that foundation and my name, which aim to empower the African girl child, not only Namibian girl child, it's African girl child through the various way, such as uh, mentorship, uh, financial um, assistance, business assistance, and I have been also a big advocate for the women entrepreneurship and continue to stress the importance of creating conducive environment and also a legal framework which support the emergency of women as uh, transformational leaders or at community as well as uh, national level. Are there any future plans for United Africa Group? Are there, is there anything you'd like to share? The, the, what I want, I would like to concentrate it more is for the foundation and see how can really I, I invest on the girls, how I create jobs, the women and the youth. Because the youth should be the future leader of Africa. We are so blessed with everything, especially people in the diaspora. We have about 300 and something thousands people in the diaspora with all those skills. I kept saying, I'm inviting you back to Africa. Come back home. Namibia is big with land. Will you give them jobs? I give them opportunity. I'll create the opportunity. The, the opportunity is there. I like that a lot. I asked you, will you give them jobs? And you said you will create opportunity. I like that. I like that a lot. So, Miss Martha, I wanted to ask you if you can share some of the biggest lessons you've learned over the last 29 years mm -hmm. of building this business. Some of the key lessons that you've learned that you can share with other women, other people listening to, to this interview. That would be helpful. One, I can, I can probably say that um, the door of opportunity is rotten push. I therefore urge you, if you really you have a desire to, to succeed in business and in life, pursue your vision with passion and perseverance. Define who you are or you want to be and uh, don't let anybody to define who you are. Brand yourself. You are a brand. If you don't do that, nobody will do it for you. Tell yourself uh, good things. Celebrate your success. No matter how small it might be, celebrate it. Whether it's now, no matter how small it is, even today where we hear me and you, we celebrate it. It's a success. Celebrate your, your failure with equal vigor and learn your lessons. And you have to know who you are is what you eat and who you hang around with. You get what I'm saying? You cannot get fat if you don't, you don't eat. And who you are is who you hang around with. You hang around people talking about crying all the time. You also cry. Talk about failure. You also become a failure. Talk about billion. You also become a billion. Thank you so much, Miss Martha. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much. It has been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for listening. If you're not already subscribed, please do so on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
And don't forget to leave us a review so we know how we're doing. I'm Akego Koye, and you have been listening to African Business Stories. <laughs>